Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Unit B Coworking. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. Join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations all dedicated to getting things done. Besides desks and offices, Unit B offers members access to its podcasting studio and meeting spaces, as well as a kitchen, Wi-Fi, and the usual amenities. It's located in the historic McKenney Building on 104th Street, close to everything downtown, including the Bay LRT station. Book a tour today at unitb.ca. So breaking news for our podcast. Uh, We are officially (laughs) the grand not winners of uh, the Canadian Podcast Awards in our category. I believe you called us an award-losing podcast. We are now officially an (laughs) award-losing podcast, yes. It makes it sound like we misplaced it, <laughs> as though we had this lovely award and now we just can't find it. Oh, it was it was accidentally given to somebody else. Um, <laughs> I don't think no, it was that's, accidentally. That's not fair. Uh, we uh, we were up for a Canadian Podcasting Award. We mentioned it on a previous episode. Uh, we were nominated for Outstanding Art Series, which is nice. That was very nice. We're a little mom and pop podcast, <laughs> and literally, it was nice to get the recognition. And we weren't honestly expecting to win. <laughs> and um, then we didn't. So and then we did. So that was just kind of how things went. Um, but uh, again, it was nice to get considered. It was great to see other members of the Alberta Podcast Network succeed. Yeah. And uh, what six podcasts from the network uh, ended up winning in their categories, which is fantastic. It's good for all of us. It lifts us all up. An honest and hearty congratulations to uh, a Dark and Cold Night podcast who did win for Outstanding Arts Podcast. It's a very good podcast. This is just a free shout-out for them. If you're looking for another arts podcast, definitely check them out. For they, sure. Uh, they are the 2020 Outstanding Arts Podcast yeah. in they Canada. They must be good. They've so, won an award. Indeed. Um, and we must be pretty good because we were nominated for an award. So, uh, so there we go. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but with that said, we'll move on from the news of the day. To uh, chapter 13, to a recap. chapter of the week. <laughs> yes, to a recap of our penultimate chapter, in which there was some uh, some recovery. Yes. Uh, in hospital after grievous injuries sustained through shattering explosions. <laughs> and then a little bit of resolution and a grievous betrayal <laughs> as Thompson returns back to Usmus and promptly throws Owen under the bus. And then starts kind of feeling guilty about it over the next few weeks. Yeah, it's it was very denouement. Indeed, but it was not the actual denouement because that is, in fact, this week's chapter. Chapter 14, the final chapter of <laughs> The Municipalists by Seth Freed. After his confrontation with Garrett in the last chapter, uh, Thompson quickly comes to realize that he has been fairly naive this whole time. Usmus's inability to help fulfill the scope 
of what he believed they were capable of is actually readily apparent. Like, he doesn't even have to scratch the surface much to see that this was the case all along. But he was so blinded by his devotion to the company and to Garrett that he was kind of willfully ignorant to it. I was going to ask, is loyalty blindness a thing? Kind of, yeah. Like, he was a true... He was basically a, what he has. He was a true believer. Yeah. And this is a uh, shattering realization. And when he realizes that this is the case, it also, like, the the blinkers come off. And now he's able to see, oh, this was the case all along. And I just... I was the fool who was unaware of it. Yeah. He kind of begins to act out, actually, at work. Like... Oh, yeah. He's, uh, he's... That is, that is textbook acting out. Yeah, he begins to, like, skulk around in, in a foul mood and snap at people. It's very and, confrontational about stuff. And, like, it further drives him away from coworkers who now just kind of, like, studiously avoid him. Even badder at people. Indeed. Uh, he's also starting to problem drink much more. Yeah, I noticed that too. That's Owen's influence, I think, lingering. A little bit. On him. Uh, though, for the record, if you're interested in getting started on scotch drinking, a Glenlivet 12 is an excellent choice. A good starter scotch. It is a good starter scotch. That or a Glenfiddich 12? Mm-hmm. Both 12 years, both the Glens. They're, uh... <laughs> the two big Glens of the scotch world. Well, let's. <laughs> there's a couple other Glens in the scotch world Fair who enough. might take umbrage with that. Fair enough. But uh, Glenlivet is definitely not a bad place to start. If you're uh, looking to get into the brown liquors, <laughs> into the Scottish browns, uh, that's not a bad place to go. <laughs> Scottish browns. <laughs> Kirkland and Laurie are still dominating the news cycle. Uh, both have taken full responsibility for their actions. Which is good. Well, kind of. Well, mature, <laughs> I suppose, then. Kirkland, naturally, is the one of the two of them who's being, like, particularly villainized, though. Yes. Uh, and the media begins to characterize him as kind of like a wild-eyed madman, like an eloquent crazy person. Right. Uh, an out-of-touch elite, an ivory tower elite with high lofty ideals who is just completely divorced from reality. And Thompson kind of sees through this. Mm-hmm. Thompson has firsthand knowledge about what was going on, first of all. And second of all, uh, Thompson's smarter than your average bear. Yeah. About this situation, or this type of situation, I suppose. Well, he's also found himself becoming a little more sympathetic to Kirkland's right? uh, beliefs. So, yeah, he's he's smart enough to understand what Kirkland is actually saying yeah. when he goes off on his rants, I suppose you could call them. Yeah. He... And he just, it makes him look crazy to everyone else, but Thompson actually gets it. Well, it's not just making him look crazy to other people. It, there's an active attempt to make him look crazy. And Thompson sees this as the status quo machine doing two things. Number one, it's it's a natural way to help people heal because if they can, it's the same way that we, a lot of people laugh at Hitler now. Oh, yeah. Like Jojo Rabbit, Jojo Rabbit characterizes Hitler. Uh, springtime for Hitler in the producers characterizes Hitler. We were pointing and laughing because that helps heal mm-hmm. in the wake of all of the terrible things that happened. Yes. There's there's an aspect of that where it kind of takes the edge off the uh, the terrible terrorist attacks that occurred in a major urban center. But it also, he realizes, tries to marginalize Kirkland's message because there's clear worry that if people stopped and really thought about what Kirkland was saying long enough, they might start to realize he's not wrong. 
right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Thompson, to his credit, uh, at this juncture, still sees Kirkland's actions as inexcusable. And that is a breath of relief, seeing as how concerned we were at the end of last right? chapter. Like, oh, please don't. Please don't do that. Yeah, Thompson has not radicalized. He's disillusioned, but he's not radicalized. Two different things. Yes. yes. So Kirkland uh, does avoid the death penalty because there's some apparently question about his sanity. <laughs> um, but he is sentenced to life in prison without parole because of all the people he killed. Right. Uh, and the uh, places he exploded. Right. And the national treasures he destroyed. Right. Beloved Sarah Laurie is a different subject. Yeah. So she's been branded as completely unstable. She's she's committed. She's been committed. Yes. And this basically. kind of this kind of tracks um because she's the public darling and she's got wealthy white parents. And so it reads to me as a way for her parents to protect her and themselves from the damage she's done by just saying, "Oh, she's not well. She wasn't in her right mind. She didn't know what she was doing." Yeah, portraying it as like a, a mental break of some kind. Yeah, no, the public doesn't want to admit that she's a radicalized terrorist who is fully in command of her faculties. So they're just kind of like, oh, she didn't know any better. Yeah. And that... She's a kid who was brainwashed by Kirkland. Mm -hmm. She just needs some time to get her head straight and she'll be fine. And I'm like, I my eyes rolled so hard that <laughs> I fell out of my chair. <laughs> Your eyes rolled right out loud. Yeah, same thing. Like I'm like, oh, so she's just been. It's in number one. It's infantilizing to her, but oh, number absolutely. two, it's also it's her white privilege showing. Yeah. I I I desperately want. I don't want to use the word crazy, but that's that's what they've branded her as. Yeah, because that it's she... easier than saying that she's a villain. Yeah. That she, she just didn't know better. <laughs> she lost it, and we need to fix her. Yeah. In the midst of all of this media coverage, uh, which Thompson is is following, um, he's also trying to keep out of his own head. And unfortunately, one night, he makes the mistake of watching The Magnificent Seven when it comes on television. And he can't even make it all the way through the movie before he's just totally gutted by it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, there's, one, there's one like betrayal scene in it that he mentions. Yeah. Uh, not to spoil The Magnificent Seven if you haven't seen it. Yes, not to, not to spoil a 40-year-old film. <laughs> hey, not everyone has seen it. It's very good. Which is a remake of another movie and has been remade since. Of course it has. Like, there are four versions of The Magnificent Seven you could have watched. That's, I'm just saying. That's true. Anyway, um, it, it it hits a little close to home for him. Yeah. Right? And he just kind of breaks a little. And Poor guy. he realizes he needs some time off. Like, this, this can't continue. Uh, it's impacted his work. He's not able to, like, sleep. It's time for him to take a break. And... He decides to take some time off. He's accrued, what, 163 vacation days? 183. 183 fact, vacation, vacation days. days. So much vacation. <laughs> well, er, as we had pointed out at the beginning of the book, the dude's a workaholic. Mm -hmm. He's never taken a vacation day in his entire time at Usmus. He needs to contact HR and have them walk him through. Taking a day off. Taking a day off. And he ends up taking two months Essentially a two-month sabbatical. That's hardly a dent in his vacation time. It's not even a dent in his vacation time. Um, and when he returns to work, he basically comes into work that morning and proceeds to begin typing his resignation letter. Because he's just kind of 
Yep. He's just kind of a He's broken like, man. I don't want to. I don't want to come back here. He can't I continue. Be, I want to be done. Now, as it happens, the day he returns and begins typing his resignation letter is also when a mailroom clerk wheels up with some parcels for him. Like a whole bunch of boxes on yeah, a like dolly. A, a whole dolly full. Yeah. And uh, he Thompson is like, "What? What's this about?" And the mail clerk is like, "Look, I know you told me personally." to bring this all on the third, but you've been gone. Mm -hmm. So this is the soonest I could get it for you. Did you just want me to leave it here? And Thompson's like, what do you mean I told you to bring this stuff here? Quick show of hands, everyone who knows what this is. Yeah, I thought so. We cannot see you through the podcast. Doesn't matter. I know how many hands went up. Um, All All of of them. them. Yeah. The clerk quickly explains that Thompson and uh, Garrett and Klaus all informed him to his face in a very heated way that all of this stuff needed to be packed up and sent to Thompson's office on the third. And Thompson has no recollection of this because no. it was not him doing it. But I loved the, I loved the bit about the cane. Yeah. He's like, was I, <laughs> was I carrying a cane? He was like, yeah, it was super elaborate. You went on about it for like 20 minutes. <laughs> and Thompson has instantly pieced together that this was Owen's doing. We pieced it together before he did. It was so obvious. No, I think Thompson pieced it together before we did, honestly. Uh, or we all pieced it together at the same time. That's probably And it it tracks. Owen was making plans prior to his deletion. He was he was scheming as Owen does. And uh when the mail clerk leaves the dolly behind and Thompson opens the top parcel, uh he finds a letter inside. Of course. A scathing <laughs> damning letter uh calling him out rightly for his problems i actually liked that line where owen was like what is your problem and i'm not saying that like a petulant teenager who's using it <laughs> as a way to just tell you to f off no i mean you have a problem yeah, like, and you need to question dude what is your problem and you need to figure it out like you need to get your head on straight he also waxes a little philosophical here he explains I loved that it he was never really truly alive until Kirkland's virus because up until then he was just logic and script. But Kirkland's virus added in the little bit of irreverence and the little bit of insanity that gave him the spark of life mm-hmm. that allowed him to make illogical leaps of, of judgment that allowed him to really connect with people. Dare, dare we call it personality. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of discusses with Thompson in the letter that part of the human experience is very much allowing yourself to be wrong, allowing yourself to be wrong about things Mm -hmm. and accepting that you're going to be wrong about things and kind of puts that in the perspective of the municipalists and Kirkland and Sarah Laurie's group because he says, like, they were so self-confident in the objective rightness of their opinions that they committed atrocities and totally justified it to themselves because yeah. in their minds, they weren't being subjective. They were being objective. And Owen is saying, no, they had made a subjective choice. Their opinions were flawed and they did terrible things. Yeah. The the concept of, of being right, like morally right, is is subjective. Yeah. Is, is what Owen is saying. And I, I agree with him at yeah. this point, really. And he's in a way kind of warning Thompson that he needs to step outside of that thinking because he's put us miss up on a pedestal and it's that same thinking that led him to betray Owen. Yeah. Well, and he's in danger of walking down the a, exact same path. Yeah. A yeah. similar, but different path. Right. Because at first, uh, us miss was right. Mm-hmm. Like objectively right. What we're doing is right. 
well, and then he was shown that that's not necessarily the case. But neither were Kirkland and Laurie right, like, quote unquote, right. And he was in danger of falling down his own path of, well, I'm right. So this this is well-timed from Owen, Yeah, I think, uh, in terms of what Thompson needs when. Yeah. It's like, look, dude, just nobody's got it right. So just accept that. <laughs> Carry on. And Owen isn't preaching nihilism here. No, no. He explicitly not states it, he's it, not... Yes, he's, he says so. He's not saying that there's no need to be good and that there's no need for morals, mm-hmm. but that morality and legal codes can create a good society, but you need to obey... In a way, he's saying you need to obey the spirit of the law more than the letter of the law. Yes. And being a good person means that you have to be flexible. He straight up tells Thompson, like, allow for a margin of error and you can only truly help solve problems if you accept that there's no moral authority that gives you carte blanche and that there's no perfect way to do something. Otherwise, you're going to do more harm than good. If you haven't been watching The Good Place, <laughs> you should. Because there's a whole, there's basically a whole season based on this concept. That yes, you can do good things, but there are a whole bunch of unintended consequences to doing those good things. And so it might not work out as good as you think, but it's still important to do the good things. To at least try to do the good things. Yeah. Last chapter, we had suggested that Us Misses way was was not necessarily the right way, and the municipalists' way was definitely not the right way. Definitely not the right way. And we were worried that Thompson was going to maybe follow one of those two paths, and we were hoping that he would find a third way. And... Owen is offering him the third way. (laughs) Lo and behold. He tells Thompson, trust your gut, not the rules. Tackle problems head on as they come up, and you have the potential to do an incredible amount of good. Just accept your limitations, and please, for the love of God, stop kicking people in the crotch. (laughs) And he signs off with your friend, in spite of the fact that he opened calling Thompson a very bad name. (laughs) That we will not repeat on a family podcast. No. He does sign off with your friend, which is very touching, and leaves him a present, too. Yeah. Uh, a rare, oh, <laughs> no, a rare mint condition model locomotive. Oh, that one. Yeah, the steam beetle he'd been hoping to see, see at the transit museum in uh, Metropolis. Oh, yes, and then Thompson has this lovely little epiphany. That the train is just a thing, and he was using it as a placeholder. He was, he was projecting onto the train his actual love for his parents, who died in that train accident. Yeah, he says, he's like, it's not, I didn't love the train. I loved my parents, and it was it was kind of moving. And he misses them. It sort of it felt like it came out of nowhere, but that's where epiphanies come from. So kind of, yeah. I can accept that. And as you said, Owen also left him Owen. Owen. Uh, because of course, Owen left all of his backup data with Thompson. Yeah. And the tie clip, and detailed plans and passcodes on where to go and when to go and how to reinstall him. Yeah. And uh, But doesn't force him to do anything. He's just like, I'm just going to leave this here. And if someone <laughs> happens to reinstall me, not my I fault. mean, that's not on me. No. That's, that's someone else's doing. Thompson deletes his resignation email and basically starts prepping to go and reinstall Owen. Yeah, which is both uh, like sequel, sequel setup and a nice ending. Yeah, he even 
his mind is even awash in the possibilities of what they might do together. Like maybe they'll, maybe he'll take some more time off and they'll just binge watch movies. <laughs> maybe they'll go round up the rest of Kirkland's people and see them brought to justice. Maybe they'll round up Kirkland's people and whisk them all away to some Central American nation free from extradition. Yeah. And have some Mai Tais on the beach. <laughs> like he's like, maybe, we, the maybe world he'll is our oyster. a weird vigilante do-gooder. That's kind of where things end off. Mm-hmm. Thompson has had a journey in this book, and, and we have finally seen the end of it. I have things to say, but I think I should save them for next episode. Well, we get because clubby. next episode will be book clubby. And if the things you want to say are uh, in the scope of the whole book, maybe it is worth saving them for next episode. Yeah, probably. I'll save it for when we get all book clubby. Fair enough. I, I do want to say Thompson does think to himself that security procedures in the building have been upped since the incident with Kirkland. And he's a little worried that he might get caught out while trying to get into the secure area to reinstall Owen. But I mean, hey, he snuck into yeah. Some messiness is to be expected. He'll just he'll <laughs> just free he snuck into like a heavily guarded building where he didn't even speak the language yeah. and proceeded to blow it up. Yeah. He'll be fine. He 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 figures he'll be able to guile his way into any situation. But I was thinking about it and I was like, you know what? If Klaus caught him trying to reinstall Owen v one. I think Klaus would let him do it. Probably. I think Klaus would be okay with that. I think Klaus would be like, well, time for lunch. Oh, I'm just going to, oh. Oh. I've act- oh, my coffee spilled and broke the cameras. I've got to go. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Oh. Like, I think, I think most anybody else would stop him, including Garrett, but I think Klaus in particular would just kind of turn a blind eye. I would watch that scene <laughs> <laughs> in a movie. So, uh, yeah, but it's, it is left ambiguous what ends up happening. There's, uh, there's no guarantee that he succeeds, but in my head canon, certainly. Yes. I think he does. I would like that. Yeah. yeah. So, there we go. There we go, the municipalists. We've wrapped up the municipalists. We did it. We did it. Whole nother book. Good job, us. So, once again, uh, next episode is Full Book Club. Full Book Club. We will look back on the whole scope of the episode. We'll talk about themes. We'll talk about characters. We'll play Nita's favorite game. <gasps> Cast that movie. And uh, we will announce our next novel. Yeah. Now, we did put out a little Twitter poll asking people what genre we might do next. And, and I uh, won. Nita won, actually. Yeah. Yay. Uh, because we had done two sci-fi books in a row. Yes. Um, granted, this one's a little more spec fiction than, than like far future sci-fi. But True. we got it out of the sci-fi section. Yeah. So we did not put sci-fi on the list this time. And instead, we replaced it with Nita's Choice. And that was the category that won. So Anita gets to choose the genre of our next novel. I choose Harlequin Romance. Sure. I'm just kidding. Okay. I don't, I don't actually want to read Harlequin Romance. <laughs> Anita's got fairly good taste in novels. Uh, I'm sure that the next one will be great, and we will find out what it is next episode. Yes. And uh, then it'll be time to dive into that one. Yeah. So, yeah. so you've got uh, a whole week, if you're, if you're listening uh, as releases go, to gather up some wine and some snacks, surf through IMDb, cast the movie yourself. Just because it's a fun thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll go, we'll go all book clubby up in here. In the meantime, while you're doing that, of course, you can uh, go and check out any number of other podcasts on the Alberta Podcast Network. So powered many. By ATB. Check uh, out the award-winning ones. Which is, yeah. uh, which is supported by a number of great sponsors who provide both products and services. And uh, one of those sponsors is uh, Seat Giant, who offers up uh, tickets and uh, Nita, I believe you have a little bit more to say on Seat Giant and their assorted products and or services. Yes, I have a thing to read. 
The Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, is happy to be partnering with Seat Giant to offer you a deal on tickets to major sporting events, big concerts, popular theatre throughout North America, and more. Whether you're at home or on vacation, check Seat Giant for tickets to the hottest events. NHL playoffs, John Cleese, Hamilton, etc., etc. Visit SeatGiant.ca to find tickets. Use the promo code APN at checkout to get 5% off your purchase. You'll save a bit, and the network gets a little cut of that purchase too. So everybody wins. All tickets are in Canadian dollars, even for events that are in the U.S., so you don't have to do any converting in your head. Seat Giant is Canadian-owned and operated, and it guarantees every ticket. So help yourself to a great experience while helping the Alberta Podcast Network and a Canadian-owned business. Visit SeatGiant.ca and use the offer code APN. Perfect. And we um, ad-libbed a little. <laughs> that's okay. We're, we're allowed to do that while we talk about both products and services. Of course, Seat Giant, just one of the many sponsors of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Uh, you can check out all the other member podcasts, even the award-winning ones. Uh, Especially the award-winning ones. At albertapodcastnetwork.com. And, also the award-losing ones. And uh, the CKUA radio app, where they are all generously hosted. Mm-hmm. Basically your podcatcher of choice. Yeah. If none of those appeal to you. Uh, by all means, check us out on social media. Mm-hmm. The standard collection that I prattle off every time. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads are where we at. We are at the read-along at most of those. Yeah, we have a little club set up at Goodreads. There's still not a lot of action there. There's That's a couple okay. members, but uh, I mean... It's you, there as an option. You could be the one to jazz that up, to just give that the electric shock it needs to get moving who knows (laughs) you can also send us a a lengthier message if you want via email yes we are the readalong at gmail.com yeah and with that said as always we'll see you next time full book club bring wine Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Goodreads.com.